eight oh seven on Sunday night. <gasps> the weekend is done. I get the Sunday scaries. I feel like I get it worse than others. I'm sure I don't, but it feels that way. <laughs> and even if I've got nothing, like if I've got no work tomorrow, for example, which I do, but if I've got no work tomorrow, I, f- I still get it. It's just it's just habit. After 39 years, it's just you just get them no matter what. You have three weeks off. And uh, and a Sunday night will hit, and I'll be thinking, "Oh man, oh man!" In three weeks, I gotta three weeks. I'm gonna be going back to work. This is terrible. I don't know what it is. Welcome to the show, Soups on Hockey. I'm Tyler Campbell. How's it going? Five, five podcasts since since returning to doing this. This being the fifth. I hope you're enjoying them. I'm enjoying making them and not doing any editing. That's the big thing. It makes them enjoyable. <laughs> I was going to do one Friday after the draft. I wasn't doing anything Friday. I made sure I had the day off and, uh, you know, did, uh, well, I didn't really do any work, but I, you know, watched the draft. I quickly came to realize as I'm sitting there at around 9.30 Mountain Standard Time on Friday morning, quickly came to me, oh yeah, I haven't done much work on any of the kids in this draft. It's a bad draft, and the Oilers aren't picking till the fifth round. So after Jaeger Furkus got picked, it kind of really lost interest for me. <laughs> it was... It was, uh, yeah, wasn't wasn't that fun. I maybe miscalculated that a little bit, um, and not not a whole lot went on. Obviously, something significant for the Oilers happened, but you know, I always leave the Oilers stuff to last. Um, you know, Vanacek went to Jersey. That's funny. Vanacek is the type of goaltender. I don't know. This is just the way I see things. That's a move that a contending team like the Oilers should have been making. Where it's where it's low risk, high reward, and it and it gives you flexibility. If if he doesn't work out, you can get out of it. Whereas for the Devils, who have been down for so long now. I feel like they're the team, and lots of cap space, I feel like they're the team that should be taking the swing on a Campbell or a Kemper. So that was interesting. I don't have... Now, I'd rather the Devils make this trade and try Vanacek than I would, you know, the other way around, which is probably what the Oilers are going to do and... And Toronto's kind of in the same spot that the Oilers are, and we'll get to that. Um, yeah, it's... I don't know. I, I just I thought Jersey was going to step up and look to really solidify the position. I'm not sure Vanacek's any better than Mackenzie Blackwood, but maybe they're just comfortable with going with them as a duo. I, I don't know. It was an odd move, Tom Fitzgerald and company, but I find them to be a tough team to get a read on because 
you know, the moment that you're pointing out how heavy they've gone on analytics, that's when all of a sudden they'll make a move that doesn't make any sense analytically. Seems like they they've done especially in the draft. They they don't make they don't make analytical decisions in the draft. It seems maybe I'm wrong on that. Um, the Preds re-signed. I was going to say Peter Forsberg. The Preds re-signed Philip Forsberg this weekend eight times eight and a half, which is exactly what I thought he'd get this entire season. Um, so I, I've been, you know, when it first came down, I thought, or I said to myself, I said, self, why didn't this happen in September? Why didn't this happen last, what, August? Like when, when could they have signed? Like when, I can't remember what the dates were last year, whatever the equivalent was to July 1st last year. Thankfully, these dates will get back to normal from here on out, but they've got me screwed up a little bit. But yeah, when they they had the ability to do it last year, and the only thing I can come up with, it's one of two things. There's two things I've come up with. One is they have a new majority owner, Bill Haslam, brother of Jimmy Haslam, who owns the Cleveland Browns, and we all know how well run the Cleveland Browns have been. Great trade for Deshaun Watson. Great pick of Baker Mayfield. They're really they're a well run organization, them Cleveland Browns are. So if Brother Bill's gonna be anything like Brother Jimmy, wow, Preds are in a world of hurt. But maybe Bill Haslam said to David Poyle, look, I'm the majority owner now and I want us to build a contender or to try and build a contender. So maybe David, because Ryan McDonough, that was kind of a weird landing spot for him because I don't see McDonough's career getting better than what it's been. It's I feel like he's on the decline. He's 33. That's big money to be paying a 33-year-old defenseman. Seemed like the Preds had just got done moving out some dead weight and trying to, you know, turn the roster over to their kids or in the process of doing so. Then all of a sudden they go out and get Ryan McDonough. And now they're re-signing Philip Forsberg when all season it looked like they weren't going to re-sign Philip Forsberg. But the other thing that I I hope isn't the case for the Preds, but we've seen it kind of with Chicago, is they essentially announce they, Chicago literally announced it. The Preds didn't out out and out announce it. But they essentially announced that they were going to rebuild. They were going to take a step back. And they were going to, well, like I just said, turn the roster over to their kids, clear some cap space, yada, yada, yada. Great. I've got a puppy who's trying to bite my feet for the 500th time today. So now i got to take my flip-flops off. Now I gotta try not to scream at him while I'm recording a podcast. Well, I said the quiet part loud and the loud part quiet. My bad. Hey, Junior, quit. I'm recording. He knows what that means. Oh, he just shook his head saying he doesn't know what that means. Oh, well. Anyway, where am I? 
Well, okay. Sorry, guys. I gotta give my dog shit. Junior, quit. He's gonna start barking at me. Okay, go get Freddy. Freddy the ferret. His best friend, other than me. Quit. The thing with this dog that's frustrating is he loves it when I smack him. I smack him on the ass. Don't worry about where I might smack him. And I don't smack him hard. But I smack him on the ass. I should smack him hard. Because the problem is, he just... Sit. Good boy. Gets a fucking bone because he's being bad. Anyway, what I was going to say was... He thinks I'm playing with him when I do smack him on the ass for being bad. He loves it. He absolutely loves it. So I can't win. He is learning. But, I don't know. Giving him a bone for biting my feet just now probably wasn't a smart move. Okay. So the Preds. Are the Preds falling for this trap? Which would be, we had a better season than expected. Let's go for it. I hope not. That would be bad because they weren't good this season. They just happened to make the playoffs. That wasn't a good team this whole season. Every time they played the others, I remember thinking, well, this is two points, and it was. I don't know how they got their points. I'm guessing teams took them lightly. They had a hot start. UC Soros got hot at times during the season. But that's, it's not a good roster. Like, it's just not a good roster, and it's aging. Matt Duchesne, Ryan Johansson, Philip Forsberg, these guys are not getting younger. And yet here's David Poyle doubling down. Ah, let's go get Ryan McDonough. Let's re-sign Philip Forsberg. What are you doing? What are you doing? You're... I don't think he's made them worse, but I definitely don't think he's made them better either while adding a lot to their cap. Roman Yossi's not going to have another 90-point season. Like, remember when Eric Carlson had his amazing 2017 playoff and everybody said, geez, Carlson's just on the same level as McDavid and Crosby. Yeah, how'd that turn out since? Now, people aren't going that far with Roman Yossi, but that was a career year that we just saw out of Roman Yossi. It's not going to be better. He's not going to get there again. He's not going to be better than that. He's very likely to be worse than that. So many things went right for them to barely make the playoffs and not win a game. I know Saros was hurt against... Colorado, I don't think it mattered. I don't know. It just it, it, that one's that one's puzzling to me. I expected this out of David Poyle a couple years ago because he's in his final years as a GM. He's never won a cup. He's he's probably the best GM to never win a cup. And it's and so I, I never expected him to take the step back as he has the last few years. But then all of a sudden, he's going to blow up the good work that he's done. 
and start going for it again, it's weird. It's weird. And I don't know. Maybe he's not actually going for it. Maybe he knows. Maybe he thinks, hey, I'll take Ryan McDonough now, and then I'll look to flip him down the road, although he's got a no move or no trade, one of the two. So that kind of doesn't make sense. Yeah, it's it's a weird situation. It's a weird situation. Um, news broke Sunday. Leafs and Sens. Maybe hooking up for Matt Murray finally. People have been keeping their eyes on this one for a long time, given Matt Murray's connections to Kyle Dubas and Sheldon Keefe and Kyle Dubas and Sheldon Keefe's preference for players that they had in the Sioux. They had Matt Murray in the Sioux. I had a Leafs fan who's a close friend text me, they better eat half and they better throw in a sweetener. Apparently, I didn't know this. Apparently, Matt Murray's rep around the league is trash. See, I I don't know. Maybe other people know this, and I don't. I had never heard that he was a bad dude, but I've started to hear some of that. I don't know how accurate that is. Um. Yeah. It, the Sens got to eat half on him. I agree there. Matt Murray, in his final 14 games, and I don't have his analytics, and I like analytics when it comes to goaltenders, but I'm just going off save percentage. In his final 14 games, he was 9-12. Now, that's from when he got sent down. And it's, okay, 9-12 is Passable, but it's not a $6.25 million goaltender. But if you take away that one game, he must have got lit up, and I didn't go in-depth on looking at it. I just said, I just knocked off one game. I, I can't remember. I changed the date on it or something like that on NHL.com. Anyway, it went to his last, or his 13 of his last 14 games. In 13 of his last 14, he was 924. He was really good when he came back up. If the Sens are eating half, given his track record, given that injuries, his injury situation seems to be a thing of the past with him, I want to say too, did his dad not pass away when they were going into the bubble in 2020? I forgive me if that's wrong. I'm just I'm thinking out loud at this point. Obviously, something happened where yeah, his dad. I want to say his dad passed away, or his dad had a health problem, or something along those lines. He's had a lot of shit luck. Let's just put it that way. He's had a lot of shit luck since 2017. A lot of injuries, and you know people say, well, injuries. Well, when he was healthy, he should have been good. Yeah. Players play with injuries. Injuries hamper a player's ability to work out in the summer and train. And, you know, like there's a lot more that goes into constant injury situations than just, ah, he's hurt for this period of time. He should be fine the rest of the time. 
He seems to finally be healthy. And it looks like he might be getting his game back. Man, if he's half price, which would be what? 3.125555555. Let's just call it 3.125. At that number for two years, that's worth a roll of the dice for me without a sweetener. Now, if you can get a sweetener, that's awesome. You know, Kyle Dubas... Kyle Dubas did that trade with Kyle Davidson on Thursday night. That was a heist. I have a theory on that, by the way. Here's, I might as well just get right to it. Here's my theory. I was so hot about Ken Holland not getting the same value for Zach Cassian because my opinion is Cassian and Mrazek, it was a waste of money. Both should have been bought out. Both on the open market should only get one times one. Like, so you should be doing the same deal. But Ken Holland, I, I, if you would have told me, I said this the other night, if you would have told me before the draft, Ken Holland got that deal for Zach Cassie, all of Zach Cassian's contract, I would have been happy with it. Here's what I think might have happened. Remember the Marc-Andre Fleury situation around the trade deadline where it got leaked by the Blackhawks that it might be a deal of Flurry going to Toronto and Kyle Dubas was livid about it. I wonder, given Kyle Davidson is brand new on the job, I wonder if Kyle Davidson maybe said to Dubas, look, we'll do this for you as a way to smooth things over so we can do business down the line. Call me nuts. I just wonder. Because that was a heist by the Leafs. Like, that was insane. And again, people tried to make the argument to me, and I heard Stoff try to make the argument too, that, wow, Mrazek has more value than Cassian. Are we kidding? Are we kidding? Did you guys see Mrazek play this season? Like, I don't think it's registering in Edmonton, in Edmonton circles, how bad Mrazek was. And please factor this in. You're more handcuffed having one of two goaltending positions locked up like that, like the Leafs would have, than the Oilers would have been having Zach Cassian on the fourth line. The Leafs were in more of a jam in that manner than the Oilers were. The value was the exact same. But again, I do believe that Ken Holland made a fair trade. It just drove me nuts that Dubis got so much better value than Ken Holland for trading basically the exact same guy. But again, I wonder if Kyle Davidson, to smooth things over with Kyle Dubas, basically just took one, just just ate that bullet. Possible. The other thing that's possible is Kyle Davidson wants a bad goaltender because they want to go for Bedard. By the way, 
I've already started my 2023 draft stuff. Let's not... And we all know about Bedard. We all know about Mitchkov. Let's not sleep on Adam Fintilli. Challenging for number one spot. Like, and this is not a kid who's been under the radar by any means, but he has been in comparison to Bedard and Michkov. Like, I'm doing my rankings and I'm projecting. I don't want, I shouldn't get going too much on this tonight, but as much as I think Bedard has superstar talent, he's a bit of an oddball fit. Like, he's. I mean, I, I, I never questioned his ability to make the show. As, as I put, I already started the write-up on him, and as I had in the write-up, this is just in terms of is he an all-star, is he a superstar, or is he a Hall of Famer? Like, that's the context we're talking about here. But I do wonder, Bedard's in a weird spot where he's... You can make the case that he's a generational talent, yet there's a lot of stuff just from scouting him that kind of suggests that won't happen, that he'll that his game won't translate quite the same. I think worst case scenario, I think you've got Steven Stamkos with the kid. Worst case scenario. But anyway, with Fantilli. That kid, his game translates. He is, without a doubt at this point, a franchise center. Think Mike Medano. Think Nathan McKinnon. That's the type of center this kid is. I'm not saying I, I won't have him. I'll tell you right now. Initial ranking, I've got Bedard 1. But I got Fantilli 2. And none of that is to do with Mitchkov's Russian status. It's everything to do with Fantilli being that franchise center that every team wants to build around. Anyway, I already went way too far on that. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, hey, Dubis wins again, though. Like, I've got a lot. Kyle Dubis has been far from perfect. You know, the non-analytics fans will be quick to point out his mistakes. Yep, they're fair. They're fair. He didn't negotiate hard, seemingly, on Matthews or Marner. Probably scared him off that he tried to negotiate hard on Nylander, which was his first big contract, and it kind of blew up in his face. He eventually got Nylander in on the deal that he should have, but it cost Nylander a season, essentially. Because if you remember that 2019 season, Nylander was just never the same guy that entire season. But Dubas gets value in his trades. That was, that was a heist. So yeah, so we'll see where it goes with Ottawa. If I'm Dubis, I'm saying to the Sens, eat half and we want Ridley Gregg. And then 
toss something back at the Sens. That's what I'd probably be willing to do is... I'm trying to think of what the Sens need. They don't like they don't need prospects, but that's why they might be willing to give up a guy like Ridley Gregg. I wouldn't. But if I'm the Leafs, I'm pushing hard to get that kid. And I would put in a pretty talented like would you would if you're a Leafs fan out there, would you do Nick Robertson for Ridley Gregg and Matt Murray at half the contract? 3.125 Two years, and Ridley Gregg for Nick Robertson. Is that a deal you do? It's tough. I don't know. It, possibility of a third team to take on twenty five percent of the of Matt Murray's contract sends eat fifty. Another team eats twenty five. You know, essentially little over little over one point five for Matt Murray. I mean, at that point, he's definitely... And would that cost the Sens finding that team, probably Chicago, finding that team to take on that 25%, would it cost that much? It probably wouldn't cost a Ridley Gregg. It would maybe cost... I wouldn't give up my picks for the 2023 draft. I think it's ridiculously deep. Uh, well, compared to this year, anyway. Yeah, I, I, I'm trying to think of the Sens prospects. I wouldn't move Lassie Thompson. I wouldn't move Bernard Docker. I don't think. But then they've got Clevin. See, but it's it's funny or it's tricky because. Bernard Docker's there. He's ready to go. Clevin's still a ways away. Thompson might play this, is probably going to play this season. can't remember if Thompson played last season or not. I, I got to admit, I wasn't up on Lassie Thompson. So we'll see. We'll see what comes of it. Um... The Oilers. I think I've covered everything I want to. Let's get to the Oilers. And obviously, you know, normally it's the Oilers news is the biggest news on this podcast. The Oilers news on Friday was the biggest in the hockey world, which was Duncan Keith retires. And now we're looking at the Oilers having 5.5 millicap space. So I've ran the numbers. Let's assume, because something bothered me after Duncan Keith retired. A couple different prominent Oilers reporters, Ryan Urshog, Mark Spector, they came out and said, don't think they'll move Tyson Berry now. And when Rashog and Speck say things, they usually have it on good authority If the Oilers don't move Tyson Berry, they're still handcuffed. 5.5 mil is great. 20 million, a potential 20 million now of cap space when you factor in Clefbaum being on LTIR and Smith being on LTIR. That sounds awesome. 
How much are there RFA signing? Like, what's Ryan McLeod signing for? I would personally try to lock up Ryan McLeod now. Kyler Yamamoto? What's he signing for? Stoff said the other day, ah, oh, they'll do a bridge on Yamamoto. Uh-huh. So you're walking him to free agency because that's bad asset management. We all know what they think of Pulley but, you know, they qualified him. I, I don't, by the way, people were surprised by that. What? Like, they, even at their dumbest, they're not not qualifying Pulley guys. Don't be insanely stupid. Um, But their RFAs are costing them total between six and nine million. I figure seven and a half split the difference. That's what their RFAs are costing them. That 20 mil in cap space doesn't factor in Dylan Holloway on the team. Stuart Skinner on the team. Dmitry Samarukov possibly on the team. If not Samarukov, Philip Broberg on the team. If not, you know, like Marcus Niemalainen on the team. You need to factor those things in. And if not, if Marcus Niemalainen's not making the team out of camp, then they have a veteran coming in for at least that kind of money. Because Niemalainen's cap hit isn't much. It's like 762 or something along those lines. It's not much. Like, they, you know, you're re-signing Brett Kulak. You know, hopefully. Because if you don't re-sign Brett Kulak, then you're really up Shit's Creek without a paddle in this uh, left-shot defenseman market. Like, there ain't much out there. So I think I guessed on Kulak three mil a year, which we're hearing he wants 2.5 for four years. Maybe he wants the CC deal somewhere in there. I guess three million. So coupled with seven and a half. Well, I won't even go down the whole thing. I won't even run down the whole thing, but... Essentially, what I came to is the Oilers would have, was 11, 12 and a half. I think it was 12.6 mil for a bottom pair right shot, a top six winger, either Kane or to replace Kane, and a starting goaltender. 12.6 12.6 million. Now, conservatively, Kane's costing you six. And from the rumors you're hearing, Jack Campbell's costing you five times five. That's 11 million. This is factoring in Tyson Berry and Warren Fogle being dealt. If they in no fucking way can afford to bring back Tyson Berry, 
If they bring back Tyson Berry when he has positive trade value and he's making $4.5 million to play on your third pair, that is horrific cap management. Absolutely fucked. And to bring back War, I like Warren Fogle and I would like to keep Warren Fogle. It makes no sense to bring back Warren Fogle when you've got Dylan Holloway ready to be plugged into that spot. Zero. Zero. And like I just laid out, I don't have the math that I did right in front of me, but I figured seven and a half. For the RFAs, I figured three for Brett Kulak. You know, the cap, cap friendly, for example, they don't have Stuart Skinner factored in. We know he's, he's taken up one of the two goaltending spots. That's factoring in Clefbaum being on LTIR. That's factoring in Smith being on LTIR. You'll say, well, soups, they can't go on LTIR until the season starts. Yeah, but you can go 10% over the cap in the offseason, so it doesn't make a difference. 10% over the cap would be 80, you know, 8.2 million. 8.25, something like that. So. Clefbaum and Smith are a little over six, you're fine. Like they're, now I'm all for, I I hate the idea of bringing back Evander Kane unless it's on a one-year deal. I absolutely hate it. I would take some chances on some guys. Max Domi, top of my list. I would look to do the exact same thing with Max Domi that they just did with Kane. Say, Max, we want to bring you in put you in our top six on the wing, run up your numbers, go get a big deal next year. Because Max Domi needs that situation. I think that's the perfect situation for Max Domi. You're still probably looking at four mil for one year for Max Domi. That's a guess. Might even be five. If you keep Barry and Fogle, and I'm serious, you got to move both of them. Because you just don't have a lot of cap space. Barry especially, but Fogle, especially Lisa, but especially Bart. <laughs> Bring back Dyson Barry would be so stupid. Oh my God. And I wouldn't put it past Ken Holland. And I know I always rip on Ken Holland. And then at the end of the day, it's always like, yeah, he hasn't done too bad. (laughs) But he just, the way he operates is just not, like, how much did I rip on Mark Bergevin? And I trust Mark Bergevin more than I trust Ken Holland. That old school way of running a hockey club, I just do not believe in it at all. Too many of these guys do not run this like a business. Guess what, boys? It's a fucking business. As much as you don't want it to be, it's a business. Fogel, gotta go. T. 
Teams would have interest in Warren Fogle, guaranteed. Tyson Berry, gotta go. Stoff thinks Montreal. Stoff thinks uh, Seattle. I personally think Dallas makes a ton of sense, and I'm surprised they're not mentioned, although they're mentioned a lot with Petrie, so that's probably why. But, you know, the Islanders have been linked to Berry before. Would Barry possibly bring you back a Scott Mayfield? Because Scott Mayfield's only a $1.4 million cap hit, and he's an impending UFA. Just thinking out loud. Then your bottom pair is at least, you know, making bottom pair money. I, I, I wouldn't think that the Islanders would do that, but you never know, I guess. Lou did give away... Devin Taves for nothing. Here's one, though, that I was thinking about. Please don't get me wrong when I say this. I think the ship sailed already. I think the decision's actually been made long ago. It's just never been said out loud officially. I do wonder now that this has happened with Keith, if the Oilers... Don't circle back to Clefbaum and ask, would you consider it? You know, you've had your surgery. You've had two years. Would you, would you be willing to give it one last chance? You've only got one year left on your deal anyway. You know, it would be a good spot to step into. And I know I just said that it would be so stupid for the Oilers to spend $4.5 million on Tyson Berry, and yet here I am uh, ask, or suggesting that maybe you try to bring back a $4 million defenseman. The difference is Oscar Clefbaum, when he's right, is easily worthy of Duncan Keith's replacement on that second pair, where Tyson Berry in no way fits that role. That's why it's stupid. I, I just wonder if those talks would ever be had. I am 99% sure Oscar Clefbaum has retired. They know he's retired. Can you tell someone's done his treat? Get out. You're getting kicked out of the house. Yep. Go bark at people walking by. He's done that a lot. I uh, For those who don't know, I... I uh, my place backs onto a park, so there's a lot of people for him to bark at when they walk by. Anyway, yeah, I just I I'm sure I know the answer on this. I just wonder because the opportunity's there, and you've got all summer for Clefbaum to get himself back into shape if he's not. Although I'm pretty sure hearing things about Clefbaum's off-ice training in the past. I'm pretty sure he keeps himself in pretty damn good shape. Yeah, I don't know. It, it would be, it would definitely be worth a, hey, just in case you've maybe reconsidered, or would you reconsider, here's the opportunity. Like, I can't help but think, Shit, man, if that guy stepped back in now and got kind of close to where he was before his shoulder basically went out on him, 
Oh, man, what a second pair. <laughs> Holy shit. 99% sure that it's not happening. But I would, I would definitely have a talk and see. I'd have a talk just to reiterate. Fuck, that'd be sweet though, wouldn't it? I mean, two years off, it would take him, he would need to spend half the year on the, on the bottom pair, no doubt, working his way back into, into game shape. You know, essentially it would be, hey, let's just make sure you're ready for the playoffs, if it were possible. And again, I do not think that it's possible. But I'm just throwing it out there as a never-say-never never type scenario. Or a, let's not forget they've got someone who's, even though an extremely slim chance, there's a chance. Lloyd Christmas. You're saying there's a chance. Um, but yeah, the Oilers got to get rid of Barry. They got to get rid of Fogel. And the other thing is, they've pissed away so many picks. They need to recoup those picks. If it's me, I'm looking for a 2025 second rounder for Tyson Berry and a 2024 third rounder for Warren Fogel. Or maybe vice versa, because this time a year ago, Warren Fogel had that kind of value where he would at least bring back a second rounder, probably a first rounder. He wasn't he wasn't good in Edmonton, but I don't think he was bad and I don't think he wasn't good in Edmonton compared to what he was in Carolina. I think a lot of that's the system that Carolina runs. And let's not forget too, he was he was spending a lot of time with Aho and Sveshnikov. Those guys are going to pump up your analytic numbers. So it would be interesting to see what kind of value Warren Fogel would have. But when you're tight to the cap like the Oilers are, there's just no need to keep this guy. I've had a friend suggest to me when it comes to their goaltending, I've had a close personal friend of mine who is often showcased on Hockey Night in Canada. <laughs> often. Like, he's not an on-air talent. He's just always on there, it seems like. He suggested to me, what about Eric Comrie? And what about just going cheap? They'll never do it. But with this market, that's, that's an idea I like. You know, I never liked the idea of running back Smith and Koskinen so much, but I do like the idea of going cheap and leaving yourself flexible in between the pipes. Because it, guess what? If you fuck that one up, you're stuck. Unless you got a GM who owes you a favor and is tanking for Bernard. Other than that, you're fucked. Like, Comrie's a kid who's never got a chance. Then it leaves the door out, you know, you split with Skinner. They'll never do it, but I like the idea of something like that over giving Darcy Camper reportedly six times six or giving Jack Campbell reportedly five times five. Fuck off. 
People laugh at the Leafs. People were laughing at the Leafs tonight because they're going after Matt Murray. And I'm thinking, well, better Matt Murray at 3.25 than and two years than Darcy Kemper six times six, than Jack Campbell five times five. Much rather do do Matt Murray. Remember this too. For those who laugh at Kyle Dubas, remember this. Kyle Dubas tried like hell to keep Zach Hyman. Just couldn't make it work. Kyle Dubas, reportedly, they've wanted, they've hardly had contract discussions with Jack Campbell. So Ken Holland chases Zach Hyman. Kyle Dubas was trying to do everything he could to keep him. He wants nothing to do with Jack Campbell, and yet reportedly... Ken Holland's chasing Jack Campbell. Don't like it. Don't like it. This is fun. Hope you're enjoying these. I'm keeping them short if you haven't noticed. 45 minutes is what I'm at right now. A lot of that was like looking after the dog. Telling him not to bark. Him being a little dickhead to me. I hope you're enjoying these. I'm going to start... Ah, I hate saying what my plans are. But I was going to plan to do one tonight, actually. Of do one... Do a little quick 5 to 10 minute video for YouTube. Just with another take. Just to try and get in the habit of doing those. We'll see. We'll see. Maybe look for them. I'd probably promote it if I did it. Eh, we'll see. But yeah. Five. Hopefully there's a lot more. I'm thinking there will be. There's going to be a lot of news coming out this week. For Agency Wednesday, it's going to be fun. Hope you're having a good Monday morning, I'm assuming, when you're listening to this. Maybe it's Monday afternoon. Maybe it's Monday evening. Maybe it's three years from now. And you're in the future, and I'm in the past. Maybe I'm dead, and I'm talking to you right now while you're listening to this. I hope you came to my funeral if I'm dead as you're listening to this. Enjoy the uh, egg salad sandwiches. I hate egg salad sandwiches, but they're always served at funerals. It's weird. Not at mine. If anybody's listening to this like the day before my funeral... Please make sure that they don't serve egg salad sandwiches. What's wrong with chicken salad? What's wrong with peanut butter and jam? It's easy. It's easy. Everybody likes peanut butter and jam. By the way, before I go, before I go, I made a mistake this weekend. My mistake was I went to Tim Hortons and I got their Reese's Pieces donut i don't even know that it's like a long name for it. it's like reese's pieces cheesecake donut i don't know holy fuck i could eat 30 of those shit was it good peanut butter and it was like a it's like a boston cream but it's got reese's pieces sprinkled on top and then it's got peanut butter in the middle and the peanut butter is a hybrid of peanut butter and cheese. Oh, man, is it good. Hey there, Delilah, is it good. 
So good. So good. As good as the Soups on Hockey podcast is. <laughs> on that note, Tyler Campbell, thanks for listening. See you later.